Well, your original draft of the logo had like a fucking cherry on it. Yeah, I well, go with that. We all make mistakes, don't we? That's genuinely this podcast would not exist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the site would have gone down in flames if we had to stand over <laughs> that cher- the logo with the cherry on it. I don't know what I was thinking. It's like a, it's like having a clown nose on your logo. <laughs> Just an unserious way to do business. Welcome to The Sunday Presents with me, Dean Buckley. And me, Kira Maloney. The Sunday Presents is a podcast where we take turns showing each other favorite films of ours the other hasn't seen before. And this is the first episode of our first miniseries, Love at Worst Sight. At the top of the show, we'd like to thank friend of the pod, Holly Boson, for the fantastic job she did on the theme song for the miniseries. Holly is a fantastic writer and musician and co-host of Pop Could Never Save Us, a music podcast focused on the UK charts in the present and in the past. We asked her to remix our regular theme, Bushtag, by Alexandra Nakarada, into maligned musical genres of her choosing, and she did an amazing job. I laughed so hard the first time I heard it that I actually genuinely did fall off my bed. <laughs> of course, all the genres she featured, however widely hated at one time or another, have their fans. Disco has been rightfully reclaimed at this point. And I have a horrible feeling that Ska is next. (laughs) Similarly, this series will focus on widely hated films that have their fans. Namely us. Or at least (laughs) one of us, anyway. Over the next four episodes, we will specifically be showing each other favorite films of ours that are considered among the worst of all time. (laughs) We considered a variety of criteria for eligibility when we were putting together our shortlist for this series. Uh, which we're not going to go into because that would be boring. (laughs) But there was a lot of stiff competition. Uh, In case you've never visited our Facebook page, the header image is from an old mashup tweet generator of mine and Kira's tweets, and it reads, do you ever think about the exact opposite of the critical consensus? So (laughs) we may not be contrarians, but we have a lot of takes on a lot of films that are very contrary uh, to the majority opinion. (laughs) The gold standard was, of course, the Wikipedia page, List of films considered the worst, which is just one of the top Wikipedia pages. Absolutely one of the top Wikipedia pages on the whole website. If you just like reading Wikipedia pages, if you like going down a wiki hole, you, you can't do much better than list of films considered the worst. It's that and, of course, list of unsolved disappearances. <laughs> the next two episodes will be on films featured on that list. Today's film is not on that list, uh, but for a time, it had a pretty secure position in the last flickers of the zeitgeist as an archetypal worst film of all time. Listener, it's not just a happening, it's the happening. Science will come up with some reason to put in the books. But in the end, it'll be just a theory. Is the happening really not on that list? No, Avatar The Last Airbender is on that list for Shyamalan. Oh, that makes sense. Dean, do you want to outline the happenings considered the worst credentials at all sure i mean the happening was when the dam really broke on the the shyamalan backlash in the noughties 
he was trending downward like for a couple of years because obviously you had signs in the village and then lady out of the what is it lady lady in the water lady of the water it's definitely there's definitely ladies and in water involved or at least one lady yeah yeah and this is the film that is is his first one that's just like completely panned not mixed not mixed to positive just like completely... signs wasn't panned nope signs got pretty good reviews Interesting. And then he followed up Lady in the Water, which in- included digs at his critics in the film, uh, which definitely didn't help with the critical reception of his follow-up, The Happening, which did well uh, financially, but got pretty roundly bollocked critically. There, It has its defenders. It always has. One of the weirdest is Roger Ebert, who uh, gave it three stars, and I couldn't disagree with him more, even though... <laughs> Three stars out of four, to be clear, for anyone who's not familiar with Ebert's scoring. Team. Yeah, that's that is a good clarification. But uh, yeah, it's in the like le- epic meme times, okay? Like that at that period that's of the a internet. Very good description. Yeah. The, the happening was a like I said, archetypal worst film ever made candidate. It's coming in on on regularly on your clickbait worst films of all time articles. It's. <laughs> A, a film people use as a comparison point of seeing like this film is so bad it's like the happening you know but yeah it's not a hall of famer worst film of all time contender but it is a classic i think yeah totally i mean like you said it, it was very much the the punchline uh for quite a few years there and you know it's it's if anybody says they like the happening they're like making a statement you know mm. do you want to tell us about the happening from M. Night Shyamalan. Oh boy, this should be good. I just kind of have to say off the top that <laughs> all the dialogue in this movie is deeply strange. <laughs> and when describing the plot, that mightn't be clear. But just remember while I'm describing the plot that simultaneously <laughs> to everything I describe, everybody talks like an alien. <laughs> so we open in Central Park at half eight in the morning, and there's two ladies sitting on a bench reading. And one of them says, I forgot where I am. And the other says, You're at the place where the killers meet to decide what to do with the crippled girl. Which you translate in your head to, I've lost my place in the book and you're at this part. So, you know, stall, stall me out right, <laughs> right at the starting <laughs> block. But go with it. How would she even know where she... Eh, whatever. Um... <laughs> Then everybody in the park suddenly stops or starts walking backwards, and the lady who lost her place takes a needle out of her hair and stabs herself in the throat. Yep. A few blocks away on a building site, guys start throwing themselves from the top of the building. you know, to their deaths. <laughs> yeah. Uh, There's not so a basically, trampoline. Basically, what we got is is a mass suicide. Pretty mm. strange. We then cut to Philadelphia, where a science teacher played by Mark Wahlberg, that's a science teacher played by <laughs> Mark Wahlberg. Look, I don't know if you guys have heard about this article in the New York Times about honeybees vanishing is asking his students what they think is causing all the bees to disappear. One of them says a disease. One of them says climate change. But he's like, then where are the bodies? (laughs) 
Colony collapse was an inside job. <laughs> then he asks the hot guy in class what he thinks. And he, t- he tells the hot kid that he should take an interest in science because he won't be a super hot and sexy 15-year-old for anyone. <laughs> Which, uh... <laughs> And uh, and the kid says, maybe it's just an act of nature we will never truly understand. And Mark Wahlberg, whose character is called Elliot Moore, by the way, uh, he says, you're goddamn right. <laughs> the most important thing about being a scientist is realizing you cannot answer the mysteries of nature. <laughs> Which, okay, sure. How much does the human nose grow each year? Minuscule, buddy, okay? Don't worry about it. You're going to be a heartthrob your whole life. I was just messing with Then Mr. Moore is called out of class, and Alan Ruck? A lot of the cast of Succession are in this movie, as I will discuss. Alan Ruck tells them that there's been a terrorist attack in New York, and they're evacuating the school. There is, and I probably won't specifically mention it each time, but there is a lot of TV news footage in this movie. And if at any point the listener is like, wait, how did they find that out? It was probably TV news footage. Yeah. And the TV is saying that it's a terrorist attack using a neurotoxin that effectively reverses the self-preservation mechanism in the brain and makes you kill yourself. Elliot's friend Julian, played by John Leguizamo, who's the maths teacher, you can tell because he says he told his wife some percentages to comfort her because mm-hmm. he's a maths teacher. Yep. It's good to be a math teacher sometimes. You know, people, people are comforted by percentages. As they're leaving, Julian is like, I'm going to tell you something you should never tell your best friend. On your wedding day, I saw Alma, your wife, played by Zoe Chanel, crying. She wasn't ready to jump in. And she'll never jump in when you need her. And Elliot is like, okay, see you later. <laughs> but no, no, actually, no, that's that's not correct. What happens is he says, I'm going to tell you something you should never tell your best friend. And Elliot says, why is everyone saying that? <laughs> and then... <laughs> and then he says on your wedding day I saw blah 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 and he says again with the wedding day <laughs> and it's like what anyway uh, but Elliot and Alma who keeps getting phone calls from somebody called Joey with whom she had tiramisu <laughs> and Julian and Julian's daughter Jess get all they all get on a train to philadelphia no out of philadelphia they're in philadelphia they got a train out of philadelphia yeah they go without julian's wife for basically no reason (laughs) she's she's delayed and elliot is like oh so we'll get the next one and julian is like nah she'd want us to take this one he later finds out that she's on the bus to the town of princeton (laughs) she's headed to the town of princeton the train is packed the news arrives that philadelphia and boston have also been attacked and then the train stops at Filbert. Yeah. And the rail staff are like, everybody out. This line has been discontinued. And Elliot is like, wait, what? Why? What's happening? <laughs> but why are you giving me one useless piece of information at a time? What's going on? And then everybody's stuck in Filbert. Yeah. And it says on TV that basically the entire Northeast has been affected. And they're smack bang in the middle of the affected area. So everyone decides to get the fuck out of Filbert. And somehow, even though almost all these people arrive by train, they all have cars. <laughs> and Elliot, Alma, Julian, and Jess have to hitch a ride with somebody. Yeah. But Julian ends up going in a separate car that's headed for Princeton to get his wife, he hopes. And he leaves his small daughter with Elliot and Alma and the two absolute wackadoos driving. 
Yes. And yes. obviously, of course, Julian dies immediately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the other car, Elliot and Alma try to make Jess not scared, and the driver brings him bring, brings them to his plant nursery to pick up some hot dogs mm-hmm, and some mm-hmm. mustard. Mm-hmm. He says hot dogs get a bad rap. Got a cool shape. They got protein. You like hot dogs, right? And while there, he says that he thinks the plants are doing it, since plants can talk to each other and they can release chemicals. And he's basically no evidence for this and also is a loon. But Elliot thinks, hmm, what if... Yeah. Uh, they drive along trying to get out of Pennsylvania and they see bodies on the road. They turn around and try to go another way. And then they bump into Kendall from Succession saying there's been an outbreak up the other way. Don't go that way. Cheese and crackers. Mm-hmm. And then people from other directions, same thing. Oh, no. They sort of reason that the toxin affected cities first and then towns affecting the largest population centers down. Yeah. So they try to get somewhere where there aren't a lot of people. And then Kendall and all them catch it because of the wind. My firearm is my friend! It will not leave my side! Private Oster. My firearm is my friend! And Elliot is like... Yup, it's definitely the plants, proven. And it's him, <laughs> Alma, Jess, and these two kids called like Jerry and James or something. One of them's yeah. black, one of them's white. Jerry and Josh, or, like, I think. Whatever, I don't care. Um, I know. And they're like, why don't you have kids? Does your dick not work? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. And Mark Wahlberg it. is like, no, she wanted to wait. <laughs> um. They try to get into a house, but the person inside shoots Josh and Jimmy. Mm. Elliot, (laughs) Alma, and Jess then end up in a house of a woman called Mrs. Jones, who knows nothing about what's happening. She's a real oddball. Why are you eyeing my lemon drink? She lets them stay the night in, like, the outhouse for escaped slaves to hide, (laughs) which has a talky connector between it and the main house. Yep. Uh, that'll be important. Remember that. <laughs> but then <laughs> she gets suspicious of them whispering and so forth. Elliot goes into her room that has a creepy doll in it, and she screams at them to leave. Then, like right after that, she gets affected and like bangs her head against walls and windows, which is by far the most inefficient suicide method so far. Yes, like, yes, yes. She didn't yeah. have a knife. What is this? Thing? Yeah, it's it's a bit contrived. <laughs> Elliot goes looking for Alma and Jess, and he ends up talking to Alma through the talkie pipe. And they reminisce about the first date when he bought her a mood ring, which he's been wearing the whole movie while saying it has meaning for him, (laughs) but not explaining. Yeah. And they decide that if they're going to die, they want to die together, i.e. I want to kill myself in front of you and this small (laughs) child. (laughs) And they walk into the field and nothing happens which was set up by a guy on TV saying it could peak and then stop suddenly. Yeah. How the how that guy knew that would happen, I don't know. Anyway, three months later, Jess is living with Elliot and Alma. She's about to go back to school. Alma just finds out that she's pregnant. Everything's coming up roses. A guy on TV is like, I think the plants did it as revenge. And then the host is like, I might believe you if it happened somewhere else instead of just this one area. And mm-hmm. he's like, well, I believe, all right, and this is just my opinion, that this was a prelude, a, a warning, like, like, like the first spot of a rash. 
we have become a threat to this planet. I don't, I don't think anybody will argue that. And this is a warning. He also says it's an act of nature that we can never truly understand, just like that hot 15-year-old said about exactly the bees. Exactly like that hot 15-year-old said. Uh, we never find out what happened to the bees, also. Yeah. Um, and then, in a park in Paris, it happens again. Oh, no. And that's the movie. It surely is. question for you yeah and there's a very sincere question yeah does m night have some kind of brain damage i was not expecting that question <laughs> i have to say um <laughs> do you mean like really literal brain damage or like the kind of brain damage you can get from being famous and rich no like real brain damage I have to be honest, it had never occurred to me to consider whether M. Night Shyamalan has brain damage before. And I guess I, I, I would like okay, to know... Okay, okay. A, a, a lot of people, including you, I believe, okay, argue that The Happening is an intentionally funny homage to silly 50s B-movies. Yeah. And I just want you to know from the bottom of my heart that that is not true. <laughs> And I would like you to include a clip here of Tommy Wiseau of The Room fame saying. Okay. Wow. I'm, I'm glad you like my comedic movie. Exactly how I intended. I, that's actually an interesting thing you say, because I would like to say, first of all, in fairness, I did write a defensively happening for the Sunday early on. Link in the show notes. I reread that. And while I do claim it is intentional i do also say that whether it's intentional or not doesn't really matter it's just how it it is and i would say nowadays when i'm way more of a de death of the author guy that enjoy i i i actually would say i enjoyed it uh, as much if not more just taking it as it is and not wondering what it was meant to be though i do i mean i understand the question obviously because i mean the, the the first two questions i had for this discussion was one is this film funny two is this film meant to be funny what would you say yes and no yes and no like the dialogue in this movie i i cannot oversell the strangeness of it it's not it's not like old b movie dialogue it's not like dialogue in any movie. It's not like words that a human would assemble together. <laughs> it's baffling. Like, I can only assume that's what a stroke feels like. Please enjoy this supercut of dialogue from The Happening. We ate tiramisu together. That is it. Mother of God, what kind of terrorists are these? I'm doing my best here not to fall down. We're perfectly normal. On Blackwater, keep on rolling, Mississippi moon, won't you keep on shining on me? See? We're normal. But we can't just stand here 
is an uninvolved observer. I need a second, okay? I hear you whispering. Planning on stealing something? No, ma'am, we're not. Plan on murdering me in my sleep? What? No. When I've speculated on why that's the case, I my instinct has been more like this was a really egomaniacal time in M. Night Shyamalan's career and he wasn't taking notes on the script like when J.K. Rowling got famous enough that she never had to cut anything from Harry Potter ever again. More than I went with brain damage, personally. Um, <laughs> I... And I think that's, that... That's, that's a partial... That's an insufficient explanation. I, I'm not done. I'm not done. Okay. And I think that with or without M. Night Shyamalan's oversight or permission, that in the editing, the film was cut to be funnier than it was shot to be. Because I find the editing especially is what, what makes a lot of this film really funny to me. And I think regardless of how it came to be, to me it does play... I was, wasn't literate enough to use the right terms when I wrote my previous piece. It is not a pastiche of Bihar. It is a pastiche of Poverty Row <laughs> Horror. I think this film, M. Night Shyamalan wanted to make The Birds, and he ended up making, like, Hitchcock's Plan 9 from Outer Space, where it's not as good as Hitchcock. It's also not as bad as Plan 9 from Outer Space. Plan but... 9 from Outer Space is a much better movie than this. Okay. Like, Plan 9 from Outer Space was made by a human being who has existed on Earth. It's just real cheapo. This was, this was made by an AI. Please enjoy this supercut of dialogue from Plan 9 from Outer Space. We found a lot of suspicious things out in that cemetery. Then again, didn't find anything to base a fact or suspicion on. First his wife, then he. Tragic. Tell me something. Why was his wife buried in the ground and he sealed in a crypt? Atmospheric conditions in outer space often interfere with transmitting. Then they attacked a town. A small town, I'll admit but nevertheless a town of people, people who died. Future events such as these will affect you in the future. I feel like you're not understanding just how baffling the dialogue is because saying that like it was edited to emphasize the humor does not explain. I think that he did a bad it... job at the script. <laughs> that's, that's, that, that's, that's insufficient. That's an insufficient explanation. <laughs> I feel like you're putting me how in... Has night ever... Had a conversation. I I have never had a conversation with them, and I feel like so you can't being... prove it. But I have stressed again and again <laughs> that I don't think I have to prove anything about M Night Shyamalan because I just think when I watch it, it feels like what if somebody made an Ed Wood film on a blockbuster budget, and it even has one of the great things that an Ed Wood film has, which is. One moment that genuinely moved and affected me for just a second, uh, which was when John Leguizaba said, I got her, John. Take my daughter's hand unless you need it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's which... it. You found that moving. You found that moving. Because I, I, I wrote down that we need to talk about John Leguizamo because that moment is so insane where it's just like, what is wrong with this dude? 
is so aggressive. He's so aggressive towards Zoe Deschanel. It's insane. The whole movie. Yeah. Um, I... And it's like, what's what is going on with this guy? He's he's baffling to me. And it's like, oh, I'm going to abandon my daughter to go get my wife that I abandoned. But I'm going to yell at Zoe Deschanel because she cried on her wedding day. Lots of people cry on their wedding day. That's a normal day to cry. Maybe your dad's dead. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm... I don't think these characters aren't the way you describe them. I just think it's funny and I like it. You didn't say it was funny. You said it was moving. Yeah, but I said that bit moved me. But that, that one bit line in particular, and then you talked about the context, insane. and then you talked about all the context for no. But just just the line delivery is insane. It's he's so angry. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty serious situation. What's jarring about it isn't the delivery of that line. It's how he delivered everything up until that line. No, no. <laughs> that line's crazy. <laughs> it's co totally consistent with how he's been behaving up until that point. Just the way he's behaving has been crazy. But yeah, it that, that moment just doesn't... Once you accept that that's what the film is like, that moment does get me, yeah. And it gets me in the same way that when in Bride of the Monster, the Ed Wood film, when... Bela Lugosi delivers his uh, Race of Atomic Superman speech. And at the start of it, he's just been told by an old colleague that he's being taken home. And he goes like, Home. I have no home. And it's like genuinely affecting, even though it's all leading up to him saying, A race of atomic supermen which will conquer the world. <laughs> okay, I haven't seen that movie. Okay. Even just you describing that scene, like, if I picture in my brain Bela Lugosi saying, Home, I have no home, hated and despised. That's, yeah, that's, that's good. But the way he says, don't take my daughter's head unless you mean it, it's like, <laughs> it's fucking crazy. I, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. Well, I guess this is a case where we'll have to agree to disagree. I don't agree to that. Neither do I. Mark Wahlberg's character is extremely bizarre on the page and even more bizarre in performance because Mark Wahlberg plays him with such earnestness. It's crazy. You, you said, because I reread your, your article and I didn't get that at all. <laughs> I thought okay. Mark Wahlberg thought the movie was dumb and he was like, I guess I'll do my best. Yeah. I, I, I don't stand over everything I said in the article. I think I was harsh on Mark Wahlberg in a lot of ways. But also what I would say more is like, I don't think Mark Wahlberg is trying very hard, but I do think he's delivering the line sincerely that he's not. Yeah, that's that's fair. I Okay, if you, if you talk about the two leads, Mark Wahlberg is, is like doing his best. Yeah. And Zoe Deschanel is having a fucking nightmare. <laughs> She's so checked out. I like. I had to like actively remind myself that Zoe Deschanel is a good actress. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. No. In a way, I didn't have to with Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, <laughs> she's 
They're, they're... It didn't help the little girl was called Jess, so I was thinking about New Girl the whole time. <laughs> the amount of this film that is just like glassy eyed confusion from, from Zoe Deschanel's character, and you're like, she did not have to act very hard to get an expression of glassy eyed confusion. On, on, uh, she on has the film. she has like the same face the whole time. It's interesting. Yeah, Mark Wahlberg um, not quite as single faced, but he is <laughs> he is he is confused and thinking very hard a lot. Oh my god! When crunching his eyes up at the end of science class, when he asks them where the the steps of a scientific experiment, and they fucking recite this bullshit that you wouldn't learn off. In yeah. a million years. Identified variables, design and experiment, careful observation and measurement, interpretation of experimental data. And then later, he thinks that, he's, he like mutters that to himself while working out that the plants <laughs> are behind it all. Yeah. I'd be scientific douchebag. Identify the variables. That's the two groups. Design and experiment. That's what we're freaking Careful observation measurement. That's what I'm trying to do. Interpret the experimental data. Interpret. What if it is the plant? He's he's got a big brain in there that he needs to <laughs> work. Yeah, he needs to um, work. I it will by say narrating. in relation to in relation to Zoe Deschanel's glassy eyedness, there's a bizarre number of shots where there is like a reflection in her eye. Mm. Not a reflection, but like a light like the like the there's a light source reflecting in her eye yeah there's a glare in her eye so her eyes are kind of not yeah you can't see them really <laughs> yeah yeah and it's very strange that that happens like in multiple close-ups in unrelated scenes uh there's another performance that i i, I was i had forgotten about but i was sure you'd want to talk about which is um what's his name Je- jesse armstrong is that his name jeremy strong jeremy strong from jesse armstrong is the creator of succession Okay, Jeremy Strong from Succession yeah. appears as a soldier. Cheese and crackers. <laughs> <laughs> that is actually maybe the, now that you've reminded me, maybe the the more, uh, the, the best example of maybe the script was meant to be that way a, a bit. Uh, because there's one, it's one thing to to be an alien or have brain damage or be an AI or whatever other metaphors, or what combination of of the above, whatever other metaphors or direct accusations you want to make of M Night Shyamalan. <laughs> but there is no, I can't imagine a world where not only he, but even he at that point in his career when he was still able to command a reasonable budget. Like, it got all the way from his mind to Jeremy Strong actually appearing in the film saying, cheese and crackers. <laughs> Without anybody, if nobody else, the editor going, this is pretty funny. This is pretty funny stuff. I don't know. I don't know. We don't have to settle um... this t- debate, and we never will. <laughs> because I can't, I can't time travel back to the production of The Happening to directly observe what happened, and you can't get an MRI on M. Night Shyamalan. So we'll never... <laughs> Whatever settled that. Jeremy Strong showing up was firstly uh, a big surprise because Alan Ruck had already showed up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I... And it was like, whoa, what's who's who's gonna be here next? Chiv, Logan, Greg, etc. Yeah. Uh, he's very different to Kendall because <laughs> he's like 
extremely uh like white bread middle american private who says cheese and crackers <laughs> he's a hayseed you know small yeah. town good old boy joined the military serve his country like his just like his paul kind of yeah, yeah. Oh, and uh andy griffith he... etc <laughs> Now let's take a look at a young Charles Bronson's brief stint replacing Andy Griffith in The Andy Griffith Show. Where's Otis? He's not in his cell. I shot him. Well, that's... What? Now I'm going down to Emmett's Fix-It Shop to fix Emmett. This is an interesting film to watch post-COVID. Yeah, I was thinking about that. If I could briefly compare it with The Crazies... I literally have that in my notes. I, but I feel like we're going to say opposite things. Okay, anyway. Interesting. You describe what the crazy is about real quick. It's madness unleashed by human error. The crazies. So the crazies is set in this small town in Pennsylvania, like every other George Romero movie. And... There's an outbreak of a biological weapon caused by a leak from a military truck or something. There's a military testing thing nearby, and there's a leak anyway. Yeah. And there's an outbreak in the town, and disease or whatever causes you to become violently angry and attack people. Makes you go crazy. Yeah. It's like mashing up uh romero zombies with the people from the crazies is, is how you get the 28 days later zombies actually now that i think about it oh, that's interesting well anyway the crazies is the best movie yet made and, and possibly ever will be made about the the covid pandemic mm-hmm. 50 years early yes agreed. um and the happening for me anyway was kind of like a f- a frustrating watch post-COVID because they do everything wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's an airborne toxin. And instead of locking down in their house, closing all the windows, sealing all the cracks, wearing masks, staying away from crowds, they flock through a train station. Yeah. Big mistake. Big. Huge. Obviously, to an extent, this goes without saying, but I think because the film has been sort of part of, like, the not just because it's been... A, famous for so long but because it's it was part of the, the the last era of having a zeitgeist at all but what a fucking bizarre title the happening is <laughs> that's very true the that's hap- very true i the did happening, think about that the only context in which i have ever heard <laughs> happening used as a noun is for like like beatniks having a hap- like a party like <laughs> that's that's all, what the fuck is the happening supposed to be What's it even referring to? There's there's an event. This is the thing. They keep using all the normal words. There's an event happening. There appears to be an event happening. I think they've been affected by whatever's happening. You don't understand. There's something happening in a few states. In this region. Whatever yeah, is but, happening. Why isn't it called the event? Or the incident? <laughs> or the yeah. occurrence? Or yeah. the, situ- the, the, the situation? situation. <laughs> the happening is an insane... But also, all those tiles are obviously terrible, yeah. and it should be called, like, Attack of the Suicide Plants or whatever, but... No, it should be called something that sort of sounds like a film that might be called Attack of the Suicide Plants. It can't actually, like, you know, Plan 9 from Outer Space. Those words sound like they come from a type of film that I know, but they don't mean anything, <laughs> you know? <laughs> 
Okay, how about... Um... That's tough. Coming yeah. up calls is tough. I understand why they went with the happy. <laughs> <laughs> this is something I wrote in my notes, and then I never got around to when we were talking about is it funny or not meant to be funny. I did actually attempt to describe what kind of film I think The Happening is. Yeah, hit me. Okay, so I think of The Happening as high schlock. Films that, whatever else you may think of them, are made with genuine technical skill in creative filmmaking and whose schlocky qualities are not primarily, at least, a failure of artistic vision. They are the vision. It's difficult to express this without implying intent, but high schlock films aren't like that by mistake or by accident. They're meant to be like that in the same way that a knife is meant to be like a knife. That's just the kind of thing it is. So would you put you'd put like like showgirls in such a category? Well, I don't think showgirls is schlock. Like I think schlo- okay. show, showgirls well, is meant well, to be me like example. that. Obviously, showgirls meant to be like that. We both love showgirls. Reanimator, Jupiter Ascending. Those are mm-hmm. two that come to mind. Okay. Color out of space is kind of a like a more heightened version of that thing. Like it's like especially in the way that it it does like has Nick Cage go crazy by becoming a Nick Cage character. And to extend the Schumacher, what the about Sch- the bit where what the, what about the bit where he busts out his excellent Quentin Tarantino impression? <laughs> Even the Schumacher Batman films, to the extent that they are like c- kind of combining the the modern action driven superhero movie that was developing with the like camp and that that people for some reason seem to not seem to think was an accident of the '60s Batman. Like I like like people don't. People don't know the 60s Batman was like that on purpose? There are people who don't think it was like, who are under the impression it, it wasn't like that on purpose. It's, it's a comedy show. Yeah. And what, like, what, to be clear, like, whatever you think of any of those films I listed, it's, when I say high schlock, it's not like high as in their schlock that's good. I do mean it's like a particular kind of, kind of style. I, I will take this into consideration. Okay. I have no opinion on it as of this moment. No, that's fine. Actually, there is something I wanted to say about the hot dogs. I'm sorry. There was actually something I wanted to say about yeah. that. The craziest thing about that scene is that actually Elliot and Alma both say they don't like hot dogs. They both say they don't like hot dogs? I remember Alma saying she doesn't like hot dogs. Elliot kind of goes, I I think he starts saying, and I'll, I'll check this, but he says, saying, I'm more of a, or I prefer a, I gets cut off or something. Okay. And, and Alma just shakes her head with that weird, like, forced forced yeah. but forced but low effort smile on her face the, the combination a couple of times of zoe de chanel's like gestures and facial expressions mm. are very odd <laughs> because the way she shakes her head the look on her face you feel like she's saying yes <laughs> that sounds really bad but like <laughs> The it's like cut that cut that cut that cut that. (laughs) Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, no, I do. There's 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 a real like deep in the bones incongruity between like individual aspects of her like gesture and posture and facial expression. Like yes, like you ask if um M Night Shyamalan was brain is brain damaged was 
Zoe Deschanel having like a mental breakdown trying to make it through this film, just like trying to comprehend the lines she was saying, the scenes she was acting. Just like I she's not having a good time. No. Just when you thought there couldn't be any more evil that could be invented. Kira. Dean. I have no idea how you're gonna answer this. Are you glad that you watched the happening? Um Yeah. Sure. I had a fun time watching it. Good. It sucks, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. You know, it's a very dumb movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I laughed a lot. Good. It's only 90 minutes. It is only 90 minutes. Fleet, fleet. And it was, you know, it was... I like movies. Yeah. To watch one. Yeah. Norm- normally we agree, because cause I, I bring movies I like, and you like every movie. <laughs> But on this occasion, I we're on different pages, mm. but not like like in the same book. Yeah, it's not like with Speed Racer where it was a mutual, it was mutually non-intelligible our experiences yeah, of yeah. watching the film. Yeah, no, that's good. My I I I I wasn't expecting you to like it, so don't worry about that. <laughs> I was I was very much approaching this in the mindset of like like a best of the worst spotlight episode where like yeah. for me this is like a Miami connection or something you know it's like Miami connection with a blockbuster with a with the, a na- naughty's blockbuster budget The person I was watching it with did say this is a Neil Breen film <laughs> and I and I was like that is 100% correct <laughs> And Neil Breen definitely has something wrong with his brain. That's 100% true. <laughs> I can't believe you committed suicide. I cannot believe you committed suicide. How could you have done this? How could you have committed suicide? Should I issue a disclaimer for any listeners with brain damage? Or who have loved ones with brain damage? I think we're past that. <laughs> that I'm sure, I'm sure they're better screenwriters than Night Shyamalan. And they're awesome and I love them. And they're their damaged brain sure <laughs> you know when i was a boy i really wanted a catcher's mitt but my dad wouldn't get it for me so i held my breath until i passed out and banged my head on the coffee table the doctor thought i might have brain damage dad what's the point of this story i like stories next episode kira is showing me a film that she actually thinks is good in like the way films are meant to be good <laughs> is that right <laughs> Yeah, I'm, it's 100% totally sincere. It's a masterpiece. Mm. And that film is Elaine May's musical comedy political satire? Ishtar. They were just a couple of songwriters who came to Ishtar to break into show business. Okay, this is the idea I have of Ishtar in my head, and just tell me how right it is. It's one of the Road 2 movies set in a world after the 70s oil crisis. Yeah. Yeah? It's also Dumb and Dumber. Oh, yes, I love Dumb and Dumber. That's that's Stars exciting. Warren Beatty and Dustin Hoffman, mm. which is unintuitive casting, but it works. <laughs> um, you think it would cast two SNL guys, but yeah, yeah, I would on another level. She's on another plane. 
<laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. No, I'm really looking forward to it. This has been on the, the watch list for a while for me. I've only seen one Elaine May film, but I've seen that one Elaine May film dozens of times. And it's A New Leaf, which I just, I love A New Leaf so much. Everybody watch A New Leaf. Rich, single, isolated. She's about to drop that teacup. Until next time, I'm Gene Buckley. I'm Kira Maloney. The song was Boosh Dog Love It Worst Sight Remix by Holly Boson. And this was the Sunday Presents. And happy birthday to Darren Aronofsky. That good evil thing was in my head because I was watching Unbreakable by M. Night Shyamalan. It's M. Night. You, you, you don't say M. Night. It's, it's M. Night. No M. No, it's M. Like Thomas Howell or Murray Abraham. <laughs>